Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 495. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living series, our guest today is Dr. Paul Sturdivant. Dr. Paul Sturdivant is an historian and social scientist at the Smithsonian, editor-in-chief of the Public Medievalist online magazine, and author of two books that examine the intersections between the Middle Ages and the present day. The Middle Ages are everywhere in our pop culture. Just look at the Game of Thrones and the latest Hollywood blockbusters, Knights and Castles, are all over video, tabletop, and role-playing games. And we can spend a day at a medieval-style festival and an evening at a theme restaurant featuring jousts, swordplay, and revelry. Why are we so culturally obsessed with this distant time period? What, if anything, can these pop culture rehashes of history tell us about the past? And perhaps more revealing, what can the ways that we reimagine the medieval era tell us about how we see ourselves today? We'll be talking with Paul Sturdivant about that and much more as we take a colorful journey through the castles, cathedrals, and battlefields dreamed up by contemporary culture. Dr. Paul Sturdivant walks us through how history is not just history, that what we remember and how we remember it is always a mirror that reflects ourselves. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Dr. Paul Sturdivant. Dr. Paul Sturdivant, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. You know, this is going to be a fun interview. We're going to talk about medieval times and your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, but I, I think I'd like to start with you maybe telling us a little bit about what you're just, just tell us briefly about what you're going to talk about at the uh, upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation and maybe how you're going to use Zoom. We're all on Zoom these days. Maybe tell us about uh, how you're going to use Zoom to engage our audience. So the upcoming Smithsonian Associates program is going to be about the intersection between medieval history and our popular culture. Because as I'm sure many of your uh, listeners know, especially in America, though not exclusively, we kind of have this obsession with the Middle Ages. Um, you can see the Middle Ages popping up and cropping up in uh, movies, TV shows, video games, um, and just every type of our popular culture that you can find. Even, as you said, when introducing, uh, when you say medieval times, I tend to think of the theme restaurant, mm -hmm. actually, yeah, uh, yeah. nowadays, which is <laughs> itself very interesting and yeah. something that's certainly worth talking about. And so I'm going to be talking about the ways in which uh, some of the most popular um, depictions of the Middle Ages in popular culture, you know, doing the usual spiky historian, what it gets right, what it doesn't get right, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But also trying to go a step further, because I never like leaving the conversation there. I find that the next step that you can take is looking at what our obsession about the Middle Ages, what, uh, what about these depictions of it in popular culture, what that means about our culture and how we see ourselves, how we see the past, how we think about the present, and how it becomes kind of part of our worldview. So looking at pop culture, both for this sort of silly and wonderful entertaining thing that it is, but also taking it kind of seriously and thinking about what effect it has on us when we consume it and what it means when it is produced for us. Thank you for that. And and so let me ask you kind of maybe a very, just a simpleton type of question and, and maybe tell mm. us a little bit what 
what is a medievalist? I mean, you know, I can I can assume as much that it's it's a person who studies uh, medievalism and medieval history, but maybe dive a little bit deeper into just exactly what a medievalist does, and maybe tell us a little bit about medievalism. And and then just immediately what comes to mind to me, of course, is Game of Thrones, such a popular um, television program. And uh, and I wonder, was that considered medieval? <laughs> that's an interest that's a very interesting question okay let's start with medievalist um i consider myself a medievalist um medievalist is a word that academics use to describe themselves if they study the middle ages mm. that having been said there are usually sort of four sub-disciplines that really look at the past in this way so you get historians and history departments you get people who study literature and language in english departments or similar departments um, you have people who study art history, uh, and you have people who study archaeology. And all of those are very dis different disciplines. Um, but they're all studying the same time period. One of the largest time periods in our history, the Middle Ages, is a thousand years. It's from 500 AD to 1500 AD. And so it's very productive, say, for a historian of the Middle Ages to talk to a historian of ancient Rome, because you know, those periods are right next to each other. But also, it's very productive for a historian to talk to a scholar of literature and language of that period to get bigger context or to talk to an archaeologist. And so a lot of times when historians, art historians, uh, archaeologists, uh, theologians, you know, all of these disciplines, all of these people who are looking at this period, but through a slightly different lens, when they want to get together and when they want to talk to one another, and when they want to also then turn around and talk to the public, it's really best to call our, just call ourselves medievalists and not necessarily worry so much about the specific mm. sort of subdisciplinary labels. Mm. I think most people in the public probably look at all of them and say, well, they're all historians. And I think that like in a broad sense, yeah, because they all look at history. But if you are looking specifically in terms of like the academic definitions of what history is, um, that it's that there is some subtlety there. And so medievalist is a is a really useful word in that way. So then there's another word that's also quite useful, and that's the one that you brought up, which is medievalism. Mm. Medievalism uh, is actually a word uh, that was I think coined thirty or forty years ago. That is effectively any post medieval depiction of the Middle Ages. It's, I think, if I remember rightly, one of the earliest definitions of it, which is wonderfully elegant, which is medievalism is the continuing process of creating the Middle Ages. So it's the way that we, and certainly people in the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries, but also we um, look back at the Middle Ages, how we reshape it in our image, and how the Middle Ages, in some small ways, shapes us. Mm. Now on to Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. um, so Game of Thrones, I would consider a medievalism mm. in spite of the fact that yeah, it is not set in the actual world. It's not set in the actual Middle Ages at mm -hmm. all. Um, it's a world with magic and dragons and fantasy things up the wazoo. Mm -hmm. um, but it is very clearly drawn from the Middle Ages. It's a work of medieval ish fantasy or medievalist fantasy if you want to call it that and so much like for example something older like the lord of the rings mm -hmm. um the lord of the rings uh is very obviously medievalish fantasy 
because J.R.R. Tolkien, you may not be aware, but J.R.R. Tolkien was actually a medievalist. Mm. He was a scholar of medieval languages and a very, very good one at that. Mm. Um, and so he infused uh, the medieval into his stories in a very interesting kind of way. And because his work was so foundational to the fantasy genre that we know today, most fantasy novels or films or TV shows that come out have that kind of rooting in uh, medieval culture, even if it's sort of a second or third generation kind of iteration of it, that it still can be traced back to this fantasizing about the Middle Ages. Most of our audience, like me, are going to be a little older, you know, <laughs> perhaps not from Middle Ages time. But but I certainly, as a young boy, I remember Dungeons and Dragons. Of course, we've, we've talked about Game of Thrones and and um, Lord of the Rings, TV, film, books, games. Are, are we obsessed a little bit with the Middle Ages in pop culture? I think so. Um, I find it interesting. I find it very interesting how how interested we are in mm -hmm. the middle ages. Mm -hmm. Um, and I speak from personal experience. I mean, I played dungeons and dragons too. <laughs> um, that's one of the, one of the ways in which I got involved in being an actual medievalist and not just in uh, popular culture, like dungeons, dragons or fantasy novels, but even the number of reenactment groups that you find around the country or theme restaurants or Renaissance fairs that are really just as medieval as they are to do with the Renaissance, really, really, when you sort of look under the hood, frankly, mm -hmm. um, that we do have this kind of cultural uh, fascination with the Middle Ages. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think one of them is that I think the Middle Ages has really been rendered into our kind of collective, imaginary, historical playground, or at least maybe one of our most popular imaginary historical playgrounds. Part of that is because of the, you know, the culture that we have inherited from our parents and grandparents and great grandparents and such. So they read, uh, they read Robin Hood and King Arthur stories in the 19th century. And so in the early 20th century, they put them on film, which means that now when people are looking for source material, particularly source material in the public domain, they look to medieval stories and they go, well, okay, maybe we can do another uh, take on no, another run at Robin Hood and see mm. if we can actually make it make, make it make money this time. <laughs> they never seem to manage to succeed, but they keep trying. <laughs> we are with Dr. Paul Sturdivant. Dr. Paul Sturdivant will be at the Smithsonian Associates Program coming up Thursday, November 12th. The title of Dr. Sturdivant's presentation is Going Medieval, How Pop Culture Reflects the Past. So Dr. Sturdivant, let's, let's talk a little bit about you know, the pop culture phenomenon, Lord of the Rings, which was was just so popular. And some of the themes in the series are are fascinating. I, I loved that series. But those of those themes of nature and, and naturalism and anti-industrialism, are those common themes across medieval stories? Do they appear in, in other settings and uh, within medieval stories and literature and, and film? And and I wonder if other issues like race and suffrage, some of the issues even of today, do, do they exist within those medieval stories? So when it comes to Tolkien and looking at the medieval stories, and especially with um, themes like environmentalism, for example, which Tolkien is very interested in, is that Tolkien is grabbing onto a, um, a trend in medievalism 
So this interpretation of the Middle Ages, a trend in medievalism that really started in the 19th century with the Romantic poets and the pre-Raphaelites. And I'm thinking particularly of one individual named William Morris, who you or your listeners might be most familiar with as a, a wallpaper designer. But he was much more than a wallpaper designer. He was an artist. He was a philosopher. He was a socialist. He was a, a fiery political figure. And a lot of his way of thinking and his way of doing things were drawn on an interpretation of the Middle Ages that to him was a rejection of industrialism, the rampant kind of uh, capitalism and industrialism that you really saw in the mid and late 19th century William Morris looked at and and thought that it was fundamentally dehumanizing. And so he looked to the Middle Ages as a better way of doing things. And that included environmentalism, um, which is one of the reasons why uh, in William Morris's prints and William Morris's um, uh, in his wallpaper designs, in his publishing, you see all of these natural themes really coming up over and over and over again. And I think Tolkien really is an inheritor of that uh, trend in medievalism that was started by those romantic poets, that was started by people like William Morris. And really, he latched onto the Middle Ages, fantasizing about the Middle Ages as this better time that was more in touch and in tune with nature. And to some degree, I think that you can say that that is true. I mean, it is certainly a pre-industrial era. But I think that a lot of times now we've gone a little too far with it. We think of the Middle Ages as existing only in these sort of wild woods and these broad fields that nothing exists in, when actually um, the Middle Ages was full of human population, that there were villages and cities across England starting in uh, the Bronze Age, really, which is even before the Middle Ages, you had villages that carpeted the entire countryside that were broadly speaking about one day's walk from one another. Because, of course, if you wanted to travel someplace, you walk to the next village, uh, you find a place to sleep for the night, and then you walk to the next village along as a sort of string of pearls along your journey. <laughs> and so I think that it is right and interesting to see the Middle Ages as this sort of fuel for environmentalism and looking at a better way of living in a better time. But I do think that it's that you're able to go a little bit too far with it. Mm. Fascinating stuff. Dr. Paul, sort of really, uh, we just appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. I've got uh, just one final question for you. You in my research of you, you discuss this uh, idea of history is not just history. And I wonder if you'll tell us what you mean by that. Yeah. In a lot of my research, I try to make a very conscious distinction between history and the past. Um, it's not something that it is common parlance, but I think it's actually a very important distinction. That the past, you know, philosophically speaking, that the past is the objective truth of what actually happened prior to us along this you know, this particular timeline in physics, mm -hmm. that, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the past, every second that goes by, that past is gone. It is gone in an instant, and we will never fully appreciate or understand it, aside from our own perspective having been through it and what parts of it are coded into our memory. History, on the other hand, history is the way that humans render that past into stories 
into stories that we all can understand and stories that we can find meaningful and in stories that we can share with one another in order to create our common cultures. And so when I say that history isn't just history, what I mean is that it's not a dead thing. Mm. It is a thing that is constantly being created and being recreated. It's something that is important to us um, personally. It is important to us culturally. It's important to us politically. We've been talking uh, right now in this very politically charged mm. um, environment mm. where there have been radically divergent ideas of history that have been very that have been deeply politicized, and that different people are trying to promote in order to promote their agendas and ideologies. And so it's important to think about history not just as this sort of dead thing, as this indelible record of events that happen, but as something that is human, that is constantly being shaped, reshaped, and fought over. The idea that revisionist history is somehow bad doesn't really make sense to an actual historian because actually actual historians are revising history mm. constantly. It's, 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 it's our job. It's what we do. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's, that's what I mean by history isn't, history isn't just history, that it is something that is meaningful to us and something that we use. This has been a great conversation. I could talk to you for a long time, Dr. Paul Sturdivant, but what a pleasure it is to talk with you now and uh, hear all about this uh, colorful journey that you're going to take us on through <laughs> castles and cathedrals and battlefields, all of this uh, woven into contemporary culture. But thanks for your time today. We're going to put links up to where you can find out more information about Dr. Paul Sturdivant, his upcoming presentation, Going Medieval, How Pop Culture Reflects the Past at Smithsonian Associates. And we'd love to have you back. Dr. Paul Sturdivant. I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you, sir. <laughs> My thanks to Dr. Paul Sturdivant for his generous time today. My thanks as well to the generosity of the Smithsonian Associates team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please practice smart social distancing and be safe. Remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>